And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting to Niflheim, Svartalfheim, Olympus, throughout the nine worlds and beyond, the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. You are tuned to the immortal sounds of... Radio Free Asgard. And hello everybody and welcome to Radio Free Asgard, episode number 263. My name is Tom Harris and we're coming at you, as we always do, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. And uh, so before we get started this week, I just wanted to... um, uh, do a quick shout out to The Witching Hour, who is our latest follower over on Podbean. I know I've been meaning to mention you for the last couple of weeks, and I just keep forgetting. So so this week, The Witching Hour, uh, hello. And um, yeah, before we start talking about uh, our latest journey into mystery issue, I wanted to talk a little bit about X-Men Apocalypse. And I'm just going to, like like last time, just kind of breeze over it a little bit. Now, it's an old movie, but like I've said before, I'm probably the last one who normally sees these movies. So, so it, yeah, it's, it's been out for at least a year, I would think. But anyway, um, so watched um, X-Men Apocalypse this past weekend. Now, I'm going to go on record as saying I don't think it's as bad as some people have said, but it's also not very good. And I guess it's my, my interest in the characters that are involved, the, the X-Men is really not as high as it would have been, say, 30 years ago. I think that people who are really attached to the comics continuity probably really hated it because of all the liberties they took with the continuity. The fact that none of the characters are in the right timeline, if you know what I mean, and that you have original X-Men and new X-Men kind of mixed up joining the X-Men at the same time. And you know, I don't know if that was Fox just kind of, you know, thumbing their nose at, at Marvel, but it, it doesn't work for me for a variety of reasons. I think that the characters are uh, are interesting. I think that you know, most of the acting is, is pretty good. The story, well, yeah, eh, it's kind of kind of iffy. I kind of like their their take on Apocalypse. It's not the original Walt Simonson version, but I wasn't ever really overly thrilled with the original Walt Simonson version of Apocalypse. I, I always kind of thought he was kind of a lame character and, and far too important in the X-Universe than he really deserved to be. Um, thought thought he was kind of an overrated villain, and, and especially, I mean, they devoted a whole event to him. I mean, you know, um, though I, I get why people would like him. I mean, that, that was an era of X-Men that came at a time when I was starting to lose interest in the book. And, you know, of course, I think uh, Apocalypse actually came in X-Factor, didn't he? Yeah, he came in X-Factor. Yeah, and so as far as the, the film goes, it's a very pretty film to look at. And I, I thought the same of, of Days of Future Past. If you go back, I think I did a well, like a mini review of, of Days of Future Past some time ago. But uh, the movie looked nice. Um, they had some pretty improbable things going in there. I'm thinking particularly of the uh, the opening sequence before the opening credits. Uh, which took place in ancient Egypt, and you had a handful of soldier types, uh, Egyptian soldier types, actually collapsing a pyramid. Uh, I don't think that 
the way they did that would have worked and certainly wouldn't have worked as well as it did. And I certainly don't think that if you had a collapsed pyramid under Cairo, that it would have gone undetected and, and had this sort of secret underground you know, antechamber where these people came to, to worship uh, apocalypse and all, and all that. So anyway, so yeah, so I think there are some, some big holes in the story that I just couldn't get by. I guess as far as the action goes, it's kind of a fun movie. Special effects are good. It's a pretty movie to look at. I like the look of apocalypse. He, he doesn't really look like he does in the comics, but that's okay. You know, I've always said the movie universe is something completely separate and, you know, the characters should be a little bit different, but I can understand why a traditionalist would not have liked it. So that's kind of how what I think of, of uh, X-Men Apocalypse. And of course, if you have a different opinion, if you have any opinion at all, you can write to the show and tell us about it. Our email address is RadioFreeAsgard at gmail.com, and you can join us there. And you can also join us on Facebook. Look for Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. Another quick shout-out to the folks that I met at last week, last Thursday, right as the last show uh, came out. Uh, I went to a, uh, a meetup of the Chicago Podcasters Unite Facebook group and met another uh, dozen or so podcasters. I was able to uh, spread the word of the show, and I'm hoping for a couple of these at least getting some um, some promos from them, uh, so so we can actually promote them on our show because there, there's uh, a couple of really cute shows. I, I really am enjoying a show called The Princess Peach Conspiracy, which is a uh, as you might guess, it's a Mario related sort of show, and it's actually little humorous skits that are they're, they're each episode is really short. I think they're about fifteen, no more than twenty minutes long. Um, and there's uh, they're they've done one whole series of it, and now they're uh, working on a second series of it. So I, I think that was cool. And then the uh, gaming podcast, so many bits I've been enjoying too. Um, not as into my games as they are, and and but I, I think that uh, you know if you if you like video games, you should check them out too. And like I said, I'm going to try to get some um, uh, some promos from people so that maybe I can uh, promote them on the air. All right, so. We do have an issue of uh, Journey into Mystery starring Sif to cover, so let's just go ahead and move along with our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens drift. Looking at this week, Journey into Mystery number 647 came out in uh, 2012. I don't know the uh, the exact date because it doesn't actually have it on the cover. So uh, it was written by Catherine Imminen. Artist is Valerio Schitti. Valerio Schitti. Jordi Belair was the color artist. VC's Clayton Cowles did letters and production. Jeff Decal did the cover. Philip Tan did the variant cover. Jacob Thomas rescues children. I don't know who that is. Lauren Sankovich eats books. Axel Alonzo is the editor-in-chief. Joe Casada is the chief creative officer. Dan Buckley is the publisher. And Alan Fine is the executive producer. Opening uh, this on the cover, I forgot to describe the cover. We have a, a beautiful cover, actually. And it is Sif, and she is in berserker mode. And she is jumping on top of... 
a uh, a large bearded um, warrior type who has sort of leather and fur armor, has an axe in his left hand, and he's got sort of spiky motorcycle gloves on his right, and he's got sort of a faux mohawk sort of thing uh, going on. And uh, yeah, and uh, there's uh, some white wolves sort of howling in the background, <laughs> which for, I guess I guess they're so afraid of Sif that they're they're howling um, rather than attacking. So anyway, um, yeah, but it's a nice cover anyway. Uh, so anyway, so uh, we get a little bit of um, a description of uh, Sif in the uh, splash. Sif, the warrior goddess who saddles wild beasts, tells dragons how it is, rescues children and books. But it's not enough. And so Sif sought Erndis, the teacher, to learn the ancient berserker incantation to become a ferocious, unstoppable warrior. All of that was seen last issue. She got her wish, but that's not all she got. Now she has a hunger for violence, and it's growing. Journey into Mystery presents Stronger Than Monsters, part two of five. And the story opens up in Broxton, Oklahoma, and um, we open up to uh, the little kid, and it looks like he's riding his bike on a, a country highway, and he finds a roadkill deer, and there's a, a billboard, and, and there's a couple of ravens sitting on top of it. I wonder if that's supposed to be huge and immunin. I'm guessing it is. But anyway, they're sitting on top of the uh, billboard, and the kid is pitching rocks at them because I guess he doesn't like them. And they're cawing and all that. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and there's also a, uh, like a coyote or wolf uh, up on the billboard. So that's interesting that they can climb like that. Anyway, so um, the uh, little kid is shouting, stupid birds, go home. Yeah, so obviously they're from Asgard. And they're going, caw, caw. And uh, one of them says, humans. And the wolf says, they are only mortal, my brother. They seem to learn early to seek conflict where there is none. They are too easily and too much offended. It is a difficult thing to overcome. And the, one of the ravens says to the, uh, the wolf uh, about the deer, Tell me, are you going to eat that? No. And we shift to a bar, and I guess it's probably the same bar as we saw last time, because you know, how many bars can there be in Broxton? And we have Sif, and she's sitting there with a, a beer or something in, in a glass in front of her, just kind of being moody. And there's a guy sitting next to her, kind of uh, farmer type. And um, she says, no, I'm not going to eat that. By all means, take the nuts. And uh, she's thinking that he smells of gasoline and cattle and dullness. And uh, he says, hate to see a nut go to waste. And he takes the nut. And we have a, a TV showing news and uh, says, in an unconfirmed report, U.S. troops were ambushed today by new police recruits out of Gazar. Fighting continues in the multi-ethnic suburb of Farukan. And uh, the, the farmer says, They should build a wall around all of them. Let them take care of themselves. Know what I mean? That's what I'd do. We got to take care of ourselves. Got a government that can't see straight. Kids that can't shoot straight. Don't know who's raising them. And uh, Sip is thinking, And ego talking well past the point that all around him have stopped listening. And Sif says out loud, I cannot think why any good human man would be sitting on his flabby buttocks drinking the swill instead of honorably fighting for his realm. 
I hope you're talking to your own damn self, Asgardian. And the uh, bartender is like, uh-oh. And uh, he he get the farmer dude starts getting a little um, testy here and starts getting up into Sif's face. I'd fight if I thought there was something worth fighting for. And Sif is thinking, my damn self. And the bartender's like, hold up now. Let's all be peaceable. Tell me your obstacles, says Sif. Is it cowardice or sloth? I am eager to learn. I'll be happy to teach you a lesson. I know you're not immortal, girl. I haven't been a girl for a very long time. Sit down, Walter. You're going to have to wait for her to hand you your ass to do it. And Sif says, this one I like. I knew you were stirring for trouble when you came in, but you look tired and I'm a welcoming kind of man. This one's on the house, and he pours a uh, a shot of whiskey. I suggest you drink it and go home. And uh, so Sif resheathes her sword, or you know, fully sheathes her sword, because she probably had it partway out of the uh, scabbard. And we shift to Asgard, or the city of Asgardia, as they call it in the series. And we see Sif, and she's riding her uh, horse, up to the city, which looks very futuristic and cool. I actually like the design they're using here. Uh, I mean, Asgard does look very sci-fi and um, not really Kirby-esque. I, I'm not gonna not gonna go that far, but it actually does look very sleek and and cold and and sort of mechanical in a sci-fi kind of way. And at the same time, there's a lot of curved edges, not not like sharp edges. So it has that sort of organic feel to it too. I like it a lot, actually. Um, and uh, she comes across Fandral, and he is riding the opposite way on his white horse. And Fandral says, Lady Sif, ahoy! What do you want, Fandral? We have been looking for you. No one has seen you since you supped with Gudrun. Was the meal that bad? And if that is so, how it is that Volstagg is so very fat, I wonder? You are boring me, says Sif. Hold up, lady. I think you are unwell. And he, he kind of grabs her by the arm and she says, I advise you to let go. And um, she wrenches free of him and she says, I said let me go. And the Fandral's like, ah. And his horse rears up and throws him off and he falls to the ground. And uh, Sif turns around and she has her sword out, like like she's ready to fight. Fandral, always stopping to talk and jest, especially with the ladies. Be fair, fair Sif. I've not had many complaints, and of course I can't speak for all of them, but I am extremely. And uh, he sees something that alarms him, and he's like, Hell's Gate! And it is Sif, and she is bearing down on him with her sword, and she is ready to strike. You have no right to speak for any of them, says Sif. And uh, Fandral pulls his sword out, and he, and he manages to parry uh, Sif's blow. Um, and she's swiping at him. And he's like, what are you doing? And she says, practicing. And so the two of them are scrapping, and Fandral tries to vault up onto the back of her horse to knock her off, but she just whips around and, and uh, smacks him. She uh, takes a swipe at him, and, and he blocks with a sword, but the sword breaks in half. So Fandral's sword is broken yet again. There's a big clank, and then she does a sort of flip thing and kicks him right in the face. There's a, a big thud, and we see a little bit of blood coming out. So, uh, yeah, Fandral is, um, is hurt, and at least he's got a bloody lip. And she knocks him down to the ground, and then she rides off 
in a hurry. And Fandral says, May I seek the damn comfort of an ardent sea serpent if I have any idea what that was about, says Fandral. And that was my favorite blade, too. Damn her. And we cut to Sif, and she's in the middle of Asgard, and there's a bunch of people around, and it looks like some people and some other, like, fairies and non-human sort of, of creatures around. And there's a big statue of a couple of uh, dog-looking things, and looks like the bottom of a statue of somebody wearing a big robe. And uh, somebody wearing her uh, headdress. There's some, <laughs> a headdress very much like it. Anyway, she's um, riding through them on the horse. And she sees a little child standing there, a little girl. And this is one of Volstagg's kids. So, yeah, this, I think we've seen this, this girl before in the last issue. And uh, she's looking up at Sif, and Sif looks down, and she says, What are you staring at? Nothing, my lady. I know you. You are Volstagg's daughter that will not fight. Hold out your hands. I'll give you a gift. What, what is it, lady? Close your eyes. It's a surprise. Catch. And uh, the, the kid shuts her eyes, and, and Sif actually kind of drops the uh, broken sword, Fandral's broken sword, uh, in her hands. Um, and as we can see on the next page, that didn't go well. Uh, so we, uh, we shift scenes to uh, the uh, home of Volstagg, and he is, uh, you know, kind of barreling down the hallway. He's got a couple of, uh, like, like, turkeys or something in his hands and um and he's he's saying there once was a demon of muspelheim whose nose was attached to its own behind and the first time it good rune, my sweet honey hassock i'm home and he notices that there's nobody in the dining area so anyway so he goes Gudrun, children comforts of my old age Balm to my infirmity. And uh, he sees um, Gudrun is sitting on the bed and he's, she's comforting the daughter. All the other kids are kind of gathered in the, in the room and they, there's various little beds and things. And uh, they look like they're unhappy. And uh, the little girl's whining. It hurts! I know, loveling, but it's not too serious. All done. And here's your father to kiss it better. What the devil happened, says Volstagg. Is that Fandral's sword has done this? I will snap his arm. All right, out, out, Volstagg. This is not helping. And it was not Fandral, says Gudrun. So she's guiding uh, Volstagg to sit down, and, and he says, If not Fandral, then Sif. I am sitting. No, Sif. What? The child insists it was her own fault. That she should have had skill enough to catch the blade. Well, she's not wrong there. With her eyes closed. I will murder her, says, says Volstagg. Beautiful art here on this page. We'll talk about the art at the end. It is not your place, husband. And the child said that our lady seemed not herself. Let me talk to her. I do not think it will help. All right, then Thor. Because Thor can always be relied upon to just talk. Out with it, woman. Whom then do you suggest? And we shift scenes and we are in the Hall of Heroes. And we know that because it says the Hall of Heroes. And it, again, it's a very sleek, futuristic sort of style. We have a long courtyard sort of thing. 
And there's, it's like a, a sunken area in the courtyard that runs the entire length. Um, there's torches at, at one end. We've got sort of statues of the heads of warriors sticking up. Oh, maybe they are the heads of warriors being Asgard. It could be giants' heads. And uh, it's, uh, oh, it's, a, it's like, a, uh, like a big marble hallway. And we have a couple of cleaning women. So uh, obviously there are people who go around Asgard and, and clean up the mess. This new stone is coming up a treat. Local, do you think? No idea, me. Could be made of corn for all I know. It is nice, though, for as long as it lasts. They never think that lot. So because there's always someone to step in and build them a shiny new Asgard. But do they consult? No. It's true. Their abilities of cleaning, they never ask, do they? It's true what you say. Like a pa flock of magpies... Ooh, shiny Asgard. Ah, so pretty. But the fingerprints. I know it. Even when Balder was here, able to talk to animals, he was. But does he bother to discuss matters of basic hygiene with them? No, he's too busy being one of the awesome triplets. And we see uh, Sif has kind of entered this hallway area, but they're still yammering on. Selfish, the whole lot of them. You know what I heard? And uh, Sif comes up behind, and, and she's looking, you know, angry. And she says, No, tell, do tell, what have you heard? And the cleaning lady's like, My lady, I asked you a question. Nothing, a joke. Tis all and not a very good one. Does this t seem like a time for jesting? Is Asgardia a joke to you? Get out! And she kind of grabs them roughly and, and throws them. Get out, she shouts, and they go, ah. And Sif is alone, and she's standing next to one of the big old pillars that's holding up the, the gallery, and uh, she puts her hand on it, and she says, heat against coolness, hand against stone, and she's pushing against it, and you can see the, the pillar is just starting to crack. My fist against bone. And then she gives a mighty push and pushes one of the pillars out, and it just cracks and crumbles, and falls down with a coom and she's sitting there and um, somebody approaches uh, from from behind while she's sitting there and she's cleaning her sword or she's doing something with her sword it looks like she's uh, cleaning it or something anyway uh, and uh, somebody comes up behind her and it's a guy with a big old helmet with big like like cow horns on it um, and it's Heimdall and he says uh I've been looking for you. That seems a mundane task for Heimdall, the all-seeing eye of Asgard. It also seems an ignoble thing that the Lady Sif should need looking for. I should have thought to seek you here first. It always was a favorite spot of yours at the feet of kings. Oh, so this is actually Odin's throne room. I hadn't realized that. Be very, very careful with the insults, my brother. What else is left to me? Because you have certainly not been earning praises. And here, I have never even suspected the depths of your fraternal concern. It is touching, truly. What do you want? I want to know what you have been doing. And he pulls up the, the sack with the, the bloody patch on it, um, which I think has the, the head of what's-her-name in it. Then why do you not open it yourself and find out? Because I want you to tell me. Are your know-it-all powers failing you? I have given you no cause to mock me, says Heimdall. 
and she, he puts her in a like a half Nelson. And she, he's got her like in a uh, an arm lock, and she's like, "It was an honest question. I am sick to death of watching everything that I love, everything that I am, being destroyed and mutilated time after time. As Guardia should be so strong that no one dare attack. It should not even be a thought, and yet our enemies behave as though it is a delightful passing fancy." That is not true, says Heimdall, and uh, Sif has managed to either wrestle herself away or Heimdall let her go. It is true, and we tell our young ones the stories of Asgardia as though they are stories and not lessons. We are so busy looking forward that I fear we forget what brought us here. And so I followed the lessons of a text older than you or I, brother, and I went to Niflheim, and I found Erendis, the guardian of the spells of the berserkers. And she taught me well. It is too dangerous, says Heimdall. Too dangerous for what? Thor has used this magic. Men have used this magic. Was it too dangerous for them? I do not know what gift that witch gave you, Sif. She gave me what I asked for. Odin's beard! Do you not want peace, woman? And what are you planning to do with it? Now will you apply whatever fury has been tapped in you? Have you thought of that? There is no place for this here. Not now. I want security. Then marry a blacksmith, says Heimdall. <laughs> and uh, she gives him a good belt across the face with the pommel of her sword and uh, gives him a, a bloody nose or, or bloody mouth, I'm not quite sure which, um, with, a, with a crack. How dare you, says Sif. You know nothing of me. You have no right. Surely some right. We are families, Sif. You cannot deny it. We are what we are, my sister. And she turns and she spits on Heimdall with a put. And uh, she, she's angry now and she looks like she's getting ready to uh, attack him with her sword. This is what I am. You are ignorant as any of Volstagg's brood. The fat man has nothing to do with this. He's the one who suggested I try to talk some sense into you. And since that does not seem to be working, I will take his wife's advice. And he, he starts to cast some kind of a spell or something, and, and she says, And what might that be? I think she called it a time out, so you can learn to control yourself. And he casts a teleportation spell of some kind, and Sif is gone. Little sister, you do not know everything. There are things I have done before you were ever born. And we shift scenes again to a dark place. And we know it's a dark place because we see a fist of a match or something, or magic perhaps, and a little lantern. And uh, Sif is being uh, illuminated by this little lantern. And she's looking around and, and she says, Oh, my brother, what have you done to me? It's not really clear where she is, but there's uh, like some mountains and some trees and stuff. So it's it's clearly a, uh, a sort of a wild place. Mighty Sif, striking out once more on her own, borne by an ancient splinter of a stinking, vicious sea that smells like something found clinging to the bottom of her boot. And so, so there's sort of a dark water here that she's uh, dipped her sword into. See how deep it is, I guess. And yet... Imagine, if you will, if tis possible, its vileness outmatched by the foul and delicious plans she has for her only living sibling. 
henceforth to be referred to as Heimdall, the extremely unfortunate. It will be a tale for the ages, though it last but a very, very short time. Why did you not make him suffer, the children will ask. Because he's thick as lead and twice as boneheaded, and I didn't want to have to resharpen my sword, my darlings. And she goes into, like, a little foresty area, and there's these sort of unhealthy-looking funguses and plants and things in here. And there's a shistle sort of noise. And so it says, Who's there? And it turns out to be these three guys. Um, one of them is the sort of faux mohawk guy that we saw on the cover. His costume is actually a lot like Hogan. Um, except he has this sort of spiky glove things on his hands and he carries an axe. And then there's a sort of a uh, tubby sort of big guy with purple hair and he's got uh, like a double broadsword or something on his back. The other guy is this orange elf looking guy, probably from, from Alfheim or one of the dark elves or something. Anyway, they all uh, come running out of the bushes and, and charging her and they're all going, Roar! And Sif is not at all scared. And she lifts her sword and, and she goes, Yeah! And she's getting ready to just cut them in half. But they pass right through her with a whoosh. And they are like ghosts or something. Stay and fight, Sif yells. What are you afraid of, cowards? And then she sees something that, that alarms her a little bit more. And it turns out to be this giant orange alien looking dude. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, in that old Fantastic Four story, The Enfant Terrible. Uh, I mean, I know that was a, a really substandard Jack Kirby character from, from, you know, 66 or whatever, but that's kind of what he looks like. He's got these huge, enormous, um, like boob eyes. They're like bulgy, like, like a couple of breasts and they're, they're big and blue and the rest of him is orange, but not like the thing orange, a little bit kind of a unhealthier looking orange. And he's got sort of tentacly things growing off his head and he's got, um, He's wearing a necklace made of something unwholesome. And uh, he shouts out, None can defy me! I am supreme! I am the ruler of all mankind! And he comes up with a big old crack. And Sif is just standing there and she's looking at him and she looks kind of like she's looking forward to a fight. And she says, Happily, I am neither human nor a man. To be continued, and that is Journey into Mystery 647, starring Sif, and we have a, a promise, next issue, Sif Sees Red. All right, so we are going to say a few things about the issue, as we always do, but we're going to do so right after this message. Do you have unexplained mood swings? Do you have difficulty communicating with others? Do you exert a fishy odor? Do you experience undue aversion to flames or revulsion of bonfires? Have you suffered from long periods of amnesia or unexplained blackouts? Do you like to toot your own horn, speak of yourself in Shakespearean tones, or sound like Dean Warmer in Animal House? Are you a sociopath? Have you senselessly slaughtered innocent undersea creatures? Is your family tired of every vacation having to be to the beach or on a cruise ship? Do you have a secret collection of green fish-scale speedos? then you may identify with the subject of our new podcast, Imperious Rex, 
Confessions of a Serial Surface Invader. Longer than a whale, he can swim anywhere. He can breathe underwater and go flying through the air. The famer of Atlantis is the Prince of the Deep. Join us each week as we review the next installment from Prince Namor, The True Submariner's Adventures in Tales to Astonish, starting with the quest in issue 70 and moving forward through the Silver Age of Marvel Comics. Check out our blog at SerialSurfaceInvaders.tumblr.com for a new show every two weeks or so and a steady stream of ridiculous aquatic content. And please, if any five or more of the above conditions apply to you, seek professional help. And we're back. And uh, so is Imperious Rex Podcast. They just posted a new episode, and that's been, it's been a while. So hopefully now they'll, they'll get back to a regular schedule because it's a great show, a lot of fun. You should go listen to it. All right. So uh, we're back, and I do have a few things to say about the issue. First of all, I'm really liking it. I'm really liking the Sif story. It's interesting. They have a believable motivation for Sif. You know, she wants to see Asgardia safe. She wants to fight for the glory of Asgard. And she sees Asgard being destroyed again and again and again. So I can understand her frustration. I understand what drove her to go try to find this berserker spell. And it's interesting to see the effect that it's had on her. It's definitely made her more cruel. It's definitely made her you know, testy, <laughs> certainly. And um, it's a it's an interesting take on the character. And, and I have to say, I, I'm definitely enjoying the ride. I think that's very well written. I like the characterizations. I think that everybody has been very consistent to the way they've been shown. Fandral is, is Fandral. Volstagg is Volstagg. Gudrun is Gudrun. And Sif is Sif in a way. And I'm, I actually am enjoying it a lot, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. The artwork is absolutely fantastic. There, I can say nothing bad about it. There's, you know, there's not even a lot of wonkiness. You know, I, I, there's even some of the artists that I've really, really liked a lot have always had. There's always been something that I could pick on a little bit and say, oh, well, that, yeah, that looks a little bit awkward. You know, I, I'm thinking of um, Scott Collins, whose work I, I love, you know, in, in sort of wonkiness in Thor's chin getting bigger and smaller, that kind of thing. You know, but I, I still love the work. But this is like picture-perfect artwork. Everybody looks like they should. Asgard is really cool-looking. And so there's a lot to like about the series. So I, I really have to give thanks to Manuel, uh, Manuel Carmona, for uh, suggesting that I cover this because this is turning out to be really enjoyable. All right, and with that, it's time to wrap up the show. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And of course, uh, you know, feel free to reach out if you want to be part of the show, you want to send us comments, questions, anything like that. We do love to hear from you. And with that... I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, where hopefully I won't have to dip my sword in that gooky-looking black water like Sif is doing right now. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. You have been listening to Radio Free Asgard, a production of Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The Mighty Thor and all associated characters are mostly copyright Marvel Comics. The stories presented are done so for educational, review, and entertainment purposes only. No ownership is implied. The silly voices, however, well, they're all me. 
Musical selections from Eden, The Invincible Sword of the Elfsmith, are copyright Mott's Vent and are used with permission. If you like what you've heard on the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, or even join our Facebook group. We really love hearing from our listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. Thanks once again very much for listening to Radio Free Asgard.